Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Hey, 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 Greg. we got a great show tonight. Oh, man. You know what? I've been waiting to have this guest on the show. I think I've been emailing her, I think, probably... The first time I emailed her, it was probably about three months ago about the show, and uh, I was telling about a testimony probably about six months ago. I, I still have the emails where she and I talk, so it's going to really bless a lot of people, I believe, Brian. But, Brian, you know what? Let me let me start out by saying this. I received a phone call today, uh, probably about 4 o'clock, and it was from one of my friends, and uh, he told me that he was in the uh, hospital, and uh, he wanted me to come by and see him. They were just admitting him in, and his blood pressure was up. But the interesting thing about it is when I parked, I was walking up to the emergency room because that's where they were holding him. And when I went before I could get inside the building, a young lady was coming out, and I could just see tears rolling down her face, and she was in so much pain. And when I walked inside the hospital, I saw in the waiting room, I, it was packed. It was standing room only. And Brian, all these people, they were so sick. And you could hear crying. You could hear baby crying. And the thing that that, I, that that stood out to me was I was coming from a peaceful environment. I was having fun, you know. And then when I walked in this hospital and I saw and heard all of this pain, you know, I just, at, the, at that moment, I just started praising God, thanking him for my health and, and praying to him that he would heal these people. We are going, it, it's just that time, you know, we, 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 we forget when our health is good, that other people are suffering. Yes. And I know you've seen that, Brian. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, I, I was recently talking with a friend of mine, and he was going through something uh, in his relationship with um, his wife. And, you know, as I was talking to him, I was thinking about how, you know, so many people out there are going through, you know, having painful relationships and, you know, just going through mental pain. You know, and uh, I was just thinking, you know, it's we we feel we get in our comfort zones, and we just feel so at peace and so comfortable, and we never stop to think about the person who who's going through something. Yeah. You know, or the person who's been through something, and and they may need a shoulder to cry on, or they may they may need just that one person to talk to. You know, and it's almost like you never you never understand. How the how hot the fire is until you're in it. Yes. You know what, Brian? A lot of us in our youth, we we're holding on to a lot of pain, a lot of things that we went through in our youth, and you know what? We feel guilty about it. And a lot of times, it wasn't our fault. It was it was somebody else older that did something to us that led up to this pain that we carry into our adulthood. And a lot of times, Brian, it has this, it's, it's like it's holding us in this bondage. It's something that we don't want to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know how a child is dealing with something and now they're grown and it's, and it's, you know, it's affecting their home, it's affecting their love life, it's affecting their marriage because it seems like they can't move forward. Yeah. I know you've seen that. Oh, yes, I've you know, seen that. Yes, Brian, you know, you and I play, you know, you and I coach peewee football, and I'm sure a lot of the kids we see, and we saw a lot of the kids going through situations and pain, and it's, it's, it's such a, it's 
such a hard thing. But tonight, Brian, we have somebody on the show that's going to tell us how they dealt with their pain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's going to tell us that. Yes, I mean, hey, I, I think tonight's show is going to be one that's just going to be, it's going to be off hook, off the hook. I, I really believe that, you know, because like you said, you've been waiting for a long time, and I've been waiting for this experience myself. You know, I have, I haven't had the opportunity of, of conversing with her a lot, or actually, this will probably be my first time talking to her right. tonight. But just from you talking about her and talk, and telling me about her story and saying, "Hey, this is what we have on tonight," I can't wait to ask some questions. Yes, you know, yes. we're going, you know. Brian, so many people go through things and they hold those things in, like I said before. Mm-hmm. That tool that a lot of us don't know anything about. And society is not teaching us about this wonderful tool that we have. Brian, that tool is to forgive. Mm-hmm. To forgive. Now, how can you tell a little girl or a little boy that was molested or raped when they get grown? They're holding his anger. They see society, they see how society is saying, get revenge, get revenge, get revenge. And you can't get revenge because this happened when you were a kid. Now you're trying to you're trying to get closure from this thing. Yeah. I I think that's the most important thing about it. When you when you when you finally get that that ability, I guess for lack of better words, I want to say when you get that ability, when you finally begin to forgive the person that may have done something wrong to you or the person that may have neglected you, the person that may have treated you ill or didn't allow you to pursue your dream or your goal, when you finally get the, you know, get enough in you to forgive them, that's when closure begins. That's right. That's right. But you know what, Brian? It's hard to tell someone, forgive this man. A lot of people won't understand that. Are you kidding me? This person did whatever, whatever to me. Yes. And I'm supposed to forgive him? Yes, it's your job to forgive him. And you know what, Greg? The other thing about that is a lot of times when you hold on to that anger, it jumps across generations. Yes. I mean, I could think about, like, in my family, I had um, my grandfather and my grandmother's, uh, my great aunt's husband, my great uncle, and my grandfather, they didn't get along. Mm-hmm. And it transcended into their children and into their children's children, and now the great-grands don't get along. Oh, boy. You know, there's a few of us spotty here and there that get along because we don't know nothing about what happened. Yeah. But like all the grandkids, I can remember there was a group of grandchildren that all the time, all they would do was fight against the other group, all the time. And some of the parents would even would even say, don't hang with him, don't talk to him. And the kids don't even know why. That's right. Because we didn't know why until we got older. We were like, wait a minute, that's dumb. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wait, Brian, our guest tonight, I'm, I, you know what, I'm not going to hold her back anymore, Brian. I'm just going to let her go and let her do her thing. Tonight's guest, our special guest tonight is Jocelyn Willis. Jocelyn, are you there? 
I'm here. Jocelyn, how are you? I'm blessed. How are you? Yes, we're all fine, and we're just blessed to have you on the show. Thank I, you. You know, I, you know, you were getting some, you were getting emails from me all the time. Jocelyn, you ready? You ready? And you're like, <laughs> oh, not yet, not yet. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. And then you email that something to me. And yes. I, I, I think it's a, a, a beautiful thing that what you're doing, the music, and you're speaking. Um, you know, tell us about the event that you're that's coming up with you and uh, Mr. Green. Well, what we're having coming up at our uh, at my home church, which is located in Fort Worth, Texas, it's it's an open house. It's an abstinence awareness program, and uh-huh. AC Green. You know, everybody knows AC Green. Yeah. He's going to be our guest speaker, and along with the, uh, the Drum Cafe, and they're out of Austin, Texas. And so it's just pretty much um, an awareness for the community to hear about what's going on with the youth and this, you know, the latest statistics in you know from 2007. So I'm really excited about what we're doing and. I, I just know that we're going to get a big crowd, and God is really going to move in the building regarding what we're doing through our abstinence education program. Yes, and Jocelyn, you know what? In your music, what made you um, uh, become the poet, the poet that you are? Was it because of your past hurt or, or some past history? What was it? Uh, well, let's see. I started writing back in 1998. Um, a friend of mine, um, she was going to college, and she met a guy, and it was the wrong guy, and she thought that he was her friend, and um, he ended up uh, taking her life. So I actually wrote for her, wrote that a poem for her and for her uh, mother. And so after that, I just began to write, and it, it was kind of a way for me to relate, release, like, pain and hurt. And so it was kind of like a form of therapy for me. So ever since, I believe, 1988, I've been writing. Wow. Now, see, Greg has gone down two of my alleys. <laughs> Those last two questions. And... One has definitely been abstinence. I've been a proponent for abstinence for quite a while now, and mm-hmm. um, I also do HIV prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, it's among other things that I do, but yeah. those are two of the things that I think are very important, especially among our youth. Yeah. You know, I promote abstinence until marriage. I always have, always will, and I also promote if you if you decide that you don't want to take the abstinence path, use protection, save yourself. That's right. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Brian, I have one of her songs. I want to play it right now. It's called "Don't Don't You Know." We'll talk about it after it goes off. Yes. Uh, yes. We'll definitely talk about the music because that's my other thing that I've been a part of for a number of years. <laughs> but without any further ado, let's hear the music. Yes, it'll be on in just a second. But Jonathan, um, you know, I I I'm just so excited about you coming on. Um, I, someone just emailed me in the chat room just a few minutes ago. And uh, they're excited as well. So, uh, but yeah, we're gonna let your music play right now, and uh, you'll, okay. we'll come back and talk about it. Don't you know I stand out in a crowd like a sun to a sky. My radiance forever shines, a reflecting beam of light. Don't you know there's no price for this temple? On the inside, lawless, men restless, women jealous. 
struggle to make me strong like a mighty ship. My weakness is this thing called love. Don't you know my feelings have been pushed and shoved? I'm unique from head to toe. It doesn't matter how big my breasts may grow. A black, sweet, astonishing queen. Few are afraid to try my intellect. Late minds thinking I should have with regret. Coming down the line of strong black women. Great eyes and cold black hair. Inseparable, I know why I have freckles. A curl of my hair. The size of my nose. A dim shade of my skin. The length of my sexy legs. From head to toe, I'm who I am. Don't you know? Jocelyn. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> wow. And right away, we have a caller on the line. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Jocelyn? Let's talk about that. Where did where did you uh, get the, the the words for this this particular piece? Well, to tell the truth, uh, I can't take credit for it. Um, like I always say, God is a tool in my hand, so it just comes from within. Mm. You know what? That sounds like you you know who you are now. Yes. From the things that you went through in your past, you know, from you and I, we talked and uh, some some things that happened when you were a little girl. You were, you know, you went through some things. Tell us about that. Well, when I was six years old, um, my brother, my mother, we all we I see. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and I left Texas back in 1986. Um, my mother married a man um, from Fort Worth, and so we left um, Texas in 86, and we moved to uh, Northern California near the Bay Area. And so once we relocated, well, when we moved there, um, we settled in and everything, but um, it was just something always so strange about the man that my mother married. And my brother and I, we took notice, and, you know, we talked about it, and, you know, we told we told our mother about it, but, you know, she didn't, like, pay attention to what we were, you know, saying, you know, mm-hmm. about him. But it was just something always so weird about him, and I believe that even as a child, kids, you know, they have, they have the gift of discernment. So it really was something wrong with him. He was a pastor, he was an ordained pastor, and he was also a child molester. She didn't know that, we didn't know that, but he was, he was, um, he had a he had a large he had a long long record. So um, the abuse actually started in Texas um, at the age of six, and then when we moved to California, it continued until I was about from six years old to ten years old. And so after that, um, I would have friends over and things like that. And um, out of all of my friends, he abused four of my friends as well. And so um, he never did get caught. Um, I think at one point in time I told someone, I told my older cousin, um, he believed me, uh, he never did tell my mom. And so eventually, to make a long story short, he he got caught from uh, another child had told her mother um, from a church that we attended out in um, Richmond, California. And so um, he went to prison. And so um, I moved back home to my hometown in Texas back in 91. So that's 
that was the story, and I mean, it was it was horrific. But you know, through the grace of God, I give Him all the glory that I'm still here. I still have my right mind. I'm sane. I'm set free and saved. So you know, it's just I just give it all every all praises and honor and glory to God because some people who would have experienced some of the things that I've experienced in my lifetime wouldn't even be where I am today. Well, you know, Jocelyn, let me ask you this. From listening to that song, it sounds like, well, let's say this. From from the time that you suffered with this guy, this mm-hmm. this idiot, from the time you suffered from him in your, your childhood until the moment you started making this song and making this poem, the struggle in between that, you know, it, it sounds like you, you finally arrived to knowing who you are uh, you, you, it, it's like you were able to release whatever he did to you, and now you're moving on with your life. It's like mm-hmm. you've broken all of the bondage. You, yes. You're no longer under that. Mm-hmm. You know, how did you do that? Well, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> the most high he did it, he set me free. I mean, I was in bondage for about, I can say, a decade. I mean, I, I carried so much pain. I carried so much anger. I was always angry, and I was always lashing out at people. Um, with my mom being a single parent and all, um, and my brother, you know, he stayed in California when I returned home to Texas. Um, you know, she was always working, so it was like the streets was raising me, you know. I was out doing what I wanted to do because I didn't have anybody, you know, controlling me or guiding me or giving me any type of uh, of nurture. So I was hanging out, um, just doing everything under the sun, um, partying, hanging in the streets. I would get home 12 p.m., and, it just took, I mean, it was, a pro- it was a process. It's like I was out there trying to find the love that I didn't get from home. And so it was a process, and it still is a process. I can say that I'm free. I'm free from the, the bad memories. I'm free from the pain because God is a healer. So um, it's, it, it was a process, but I, I am, I'm blessed to say that, you know, God is able, and I'm still here today because of him. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? That song, it, it says so much. It, it's only a, a little, what, under three minutes maybe? <laughs> yes. But the power that's in that, the things that you're saying, who you are, I think that's so important that we, we need to learn who we are and know whose we are. Yes. And that's, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in your walks now, the things that you're doing right now, you said you're doing something with Mr. Green and the abstinence, and I know you see the little children, and I know in the in the faces of these little girls, you see you in them. Yes. And I'm sure, and it's so sad to say this, but I'm sure some of them are going through the same things that you mm-hmm. do. What would you say to them now? Uh, if I could see a child, or if I knew about a child that's experiencing some of the things that I've experienced, I mean, I, I would talk to them and let them know that no matter what someone has told you, you can tell anybody anything of any type of abuse because that, that's how predators are. They, they'll tell you that they're going to take your life or they're going to kill your mother because that's what I was told. You know, I was told that, you know, don't say anything because if you do, I'm going to kill your mother. So I didn't say anything. So I just believe that if parents would talk to their children and let them know that you can tell me anything, I don't care, and let them know about the no-no areas that nobody's supposed to touch. I don't care if it's a teacher, family, family member, or whatever, but I just would embrace them and let them know that I love them and that they can tell me anything. Awesome. That's what I would do. Yes, you know, I, I, I think about that when I talk to my children and when I talk to 
like uh, children in my neighborhood, my church family, so forth. You know, I'm always, I've always been an advocate for children, and you know, some of the things that that people have done to children and do to children, it just, you know, it just breaks your heart, and it mm-hmm. makes you really wonder, you know, what's wrong with people? You know, I mean, and not to sound too, you know, overly vulgar or whatever, but couldn't they just go and buy them a piece? Why do they got to go and victimize a child, you know? I mean, it can't be that hard, you know what I mean? I can answer that question. I believe that um, predators are people that have a spirit within them. It's a demonic spirit that I within them that's causing them to, to do those type of action upon a child. So it, it, it's something in the spirit realm. It's not, it's not them. It's something that they have on them. That is how I came to the point of forgiving my abuser. I forgave him because if I didn't forgive him, it would keep. It would have kept me at a standstill. I would have been in a halt. I wouldn't been able to move forward. I forgave. I forgave him not for him, but I forgave him for myself, so I can go on with my life. You know what, Jocelyn? I I agree with you one hundred percent when you say that there's a demonic spirit in these people. I was watching the show. You know that the show where they have the guys and the, whatever the uh, uh, print oh, the little girl. Oh, NBC to catch a predator. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, this one particular guy was in there. He had just left court for the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the judge gave him another date to come back. He, I mean, was speeding trying to get over there to see a 13-year-old, and he even said it. He said, I'm just getting out of court. Please forgive me. I'm just getting out of court. And then when the guy came from behind the screen, it was like he was, he was, it was like, okay, what's, what's the big deal? So he didn't, he didn't think anything was wrong with what he was doing. Hmm. And it's so sad that when we, when we believe what we're doing is right, now we have a problem. Mm-hmm. We have a serious problem because these people, they really believe in what they're doing is right. But then, you know, at the same time, they'll say, I need help. Okay, you're saying you need help at the wrong time. What are you going to Who's going to help this child get over what you've done to her or him? Mm-hmm. You've placed now that when you, when you do something like that, you're throwing these kids a little uh, – Children's minds into an adult world, and they have to process this. They can't when they're that young. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. Yes. And, when you know, when you were going through that, and I know it was so hard for you not to scream out and tell someone or to tell your mother, how in the world did you get, how, how did you grow up with that? How did you get past that? I, I'm trying to understand in my mind how... You, I know how you did it, but mentally. To be- oh, mentally, let's see. Oh, gosh. I think mentally, I think I just, I feel that my mind was kept by a higher source. That's what I believe. I believe that my mind was kept and I was always in the hands of God. That's what I believe because I, I couldn't have got over this on my own. I, I've, overca- I've overcome it. I conquered it. And that's the only thing I can come up with is God. Um, it, it was a struggle. It was hard. Um, I can say that I was I, I was a very I was a very angry person. Uh, I was angry at my mother. I was angry at people. I was angry at God. I was even angry at the world. 
But I had to come to a point in my life and say, okay, I have to forgive everybody. I, I literally wrote down the names of the people that I wanted to forgive, and, and I, I forgave them, and I had to let it go, and I just had to release it because it was making me into a person that I didn't like. My heart was turning into stone, and I, I just didn't like the person that I was becoming, that I was turning into, so I just had to let it go. It was hard, and, and, and sometimes it still can be a struggle. I mean, Sometimes, you know, you can go, like, if you hear anybody else's testimony, like um, Paula, uh, Paula White, for instance, she'll say that she's healed. She's healed from it as well, but every now and then she may have a flashback. Yes, I, I do that too. Every now and then I may have a flashback, but that's when I, you know, I, I try to rebuke that, that thought and just put my mind elsewhere. That's how, that's how I still continue to get through it, even if, when those flashbacks come my way, so... That 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 seems to work for me. Mm, mm, mm. But you know what, Jocelyn? Uh, You're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have on tonight Jocelyn Willis. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. Yes, Jocelyn. Um, I've seen your pictures. Brian has seen your pictures. Um, people will go on your website. You have two that I know of, and when they see your picture, they're going to see this beautiful woman. Beautiful, beautiful woman. And from, you. you know, when God changes a person, there's no residue left. Yes. So when so we true. see you now, mm-hmm. the first time I saw you, it was like, I think I sent you an email. I can't remember exactly what I said what was, but, you know, we, we, we started talking, and, I, and, I, and you, I was asking you were you a model and all of this stuff, and I think you said, yeah. And it, it's just like there's no self-esteem issues is what I'm trying to say in the picture you look happy. I mean, mm-hmm. even in looking in your eyes, you, you seem happy. And from just looking at you, I know that what you've gone through and the things that brought you through that to where you are now mm-hmm. is is a true testimony. Yes. And for the little girls or the little boys that's going through some of the same things that you've gone through, now – it's like you're being thrust into that field now. You have a passion for these children, yes. and you're touching them. And, and I just commend you for doing that. It's a beautiful thing, uh, what you're doing. Brian is the same way. Brian is crazy about children as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I was just at a function at my church, and the whole time I was there, I was messing with the kids, you know, <laughs> because I have kids of my own, and I have what I call my extended family of children, Um foster children I've had in the past, you know, I, I just believe that, you know, if we don't nurture and, and promote our children, you know, who's going to take care of us when we get old, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's one part, but the the second part is, you know, who's going to take care of this world? You know, we, you know, our legacy is our children, you know, and, you know, how we raise them today is how they will lead tomorrow. Yes. You know, and so, you know, if you look at at, at our current situation, it shows that we have not been very good stewards for the most part, you know, because we have all these different things going on, you know, especially in the light of, you know, this thing about these predators. I mean, that that in, is, in of itself, you know, I'm glad that I have not had to meet one, <laughs> you know, for the most exactly. part. Because, you know, it... It pains me to see a guy that's been caught go back out there and do the same thing, knowing what he did was wrong. Now, you know, if if you've done it 
and you know, and and you've done your time, and you've made a conscious effort, and you say you're not going to do it anymore, and you've kept your word. Sure, I got no problem. I, you know, if you know, if if you say I'm sorry, you don't mean to do it anymore. I understand that's a demon. You know, okay, so good. But if you get out, if you're out there doing the same thing, like in the case of this one guy, you're going right out there after you just got out of court. You know, for to me that shows just a blatant. You don't care. Mm-hmm. You gonna do what you want to do, and I yeah. say, hey, there's no justice. There's, there's no, no justice. justice. You know, I mean, I used to always hear the term, "There's no justice when it's just us." Mm-hmm. You know, but when you when you put a kid in it, that's not just us anymore. That's us mm-hmm. plus whoever that kid comes in contact with. They're gonna scar that person's life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember when uh. When my son was younger, he he coached. I mean, uh, he uh, he was in karate, and there was a kid in karate with him that had been molested by an older lady in his neighborhood. And this lady was uh, she was sort of like the neighborhood friend. All the girls used to hang out at her house. You know, she wasn't much older than the teenagers. You know, in her mid twenties or whatever, and she molested the little boy. Mm, and the only reason they found out is because the little boy had a sleepover at another friend's house, and he molested the the little boy that was a year younger than him. Hmm. He was five. Their little boy was four, and they caught them, you know, and they said, well, where'd you get that from? And he said, well, Miss Such-and-Such does it to me. Because it happened to him, yeah. You know, and that's how they were able to catch her. You know, but the thing is, how how do you do that to a child? You know, especially a a young, a small, defenseless child. You know, when 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 a child like thirteen, fourteen, or fifteen, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand them trying to get some fight back. You know, then you know if if you know in the case of that, you're gonna see some kind of scratches because if they don't want you to do it, they're gonna fight back some kind of way. Mm-hmm. But when you're five and six years old and you don't understand what's going on. All you know is here is this is a this is an adult who's doing something, and you know, I guess I, and I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of long winded. I'm venting here because you know it just that that just ooh. I completely understand. I think that that the children they look to adults as their protectors. Yeah. And so if a, prote- a predator is coming to you and, and and fondling you and putting their hands upon you, they're thinking that it's okay. Because they haven't been taught that 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 it's not okay, so they'll go ahead and you know and they'll just feel like you know it's all right you know because they haven't been warned they haven't been told by their parents. So I just I don't understand that when that's when the parents need to come in. It starts in the home. Mm-hmm. It starts in the home. Uh, parents, you know, they're they're into the education. They're into you know, I want you to go to college, and I want to put money back for this, and I want to buy you this, and I want to buy you that, but they're not teaching them things that go on in the society today. I mean, you, can, you know, there are predators that, that go to jail, that get out, and I really believe that they, they shouldn't get out. I believe that they should have life. I think that they should have life in prison because, I mean, I don't see them as, as, as being free from that. Yeah. If you if you've done it repeatedly and repeatedly, I don't understand why that you will be eligible for parole. Like my abuser in 2015, he will be eligible for parole. So that right there, I really don't seem to understand when he has over over a dozen kids that he's 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 abused. So 
that some things you can't, you won't understand, and I get angry about it. But when I look at it from a biblical standpoint, um, I just, I just go to the scripture. Um, lean out to your own understanding because some things you're not going to understand, and everything that you go through and everything that you went through is all for a purpose, and God will turn it around for your good. So I have to keep my mind focused on that when I hear stories in the news over and over and over again about things like that, and even about uh, priests and preachers in the church, and they're still they're being able to preach and, and still do the things that they're doing to children. So that kind of stuff, it really it, it makes me so angry, but I have to just, you know, come down from that and just, you know, just, just try to find some peace because that right there, it, that, could, that could take me back, and I've, I've conquered that, and I don't want that, that type of spirit to come on me again because I'm, I'm not bound anymore. Awesome. You know, you said something real interesting. You said that we're not teaching the children about these things. We, you know, we're focusing on college and, hey, be a good football player or be a mm-hmm. good basketball, volleyball, whatever, tennis, and we're not really focusing on things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's okay? At what age would 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 you believe it's okay to start teaching children about that? Um, I personally, uh, I would say between maybe five and six, four or five, maybe four through six, because I my niece is six years old, and my brother, he talks to her. He told her, and it's a way that you do it. The you bad touch, be, good touch, bad touch thing? Mm-hmm, yes, yes. She know about the no-no areas. She know that nobody's supposed to touch her in the no-no areas. And she knows that if you, if that were to happen to her, she knows that it's okay to tell mommy or daddy or, or myself, auntie, or whatever. So she knows. So at six years old, I believe five, maybe five at the earliest. You know, and I, and I, and I completely agree. You know, and I look at some of the abstinence education programs that are out there, and they try to focus on, uh, they say they don't want to teach a child younger than nine. And -hmm. now they're even going to the age 13. And, you know, and and sometimes I question their methods because Mm -hmm. I can remember, you know, when we were teaching the groups, you know, because we'd have, you know, tons and tons of kids there, and some of them would be as young as five and six years old. And as you're asking some of these questions, you know, they would have the answers. These little kids, Five they years would old? they would know what we were talking about. Wow, that's and amazing! It, that's... And you know, and you know, it's like, how do you know about this? You know, but the kids know because the older kids, they're out there talking about it, and some of them are doing it, and the younger kids are there watching. And then the media, the media has a lot. And then the media has a huge. I mean, I see it everywhere. I mean, I, I seen a commercial for cologne the other day, and it was all—it was just full of sex. But they were selling cologne. No, the ones that get me is—is is it the Tag body spray or what is the? Uh huh. Yes. Axe and Tag. Axe. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! And the uh, herbal essence. Mhm. Oh my goodness. No, I think the tags is tag is worse because they—I mean, it's like whoa. Uh, son, close your eyes. You know you don't want to look at this, baby. Uh, you can't wear what she has on. That's exactly. not cute. You know because you know even now if you look at some of the uh, when you talk about the media, even some of the you know stations that the kids normally watch like Cartoon Network and mm-hmm. Disney Channel. You know they have the kids and those. You know I mean you look at High School Musical and all those kids have on the little you know 
low-rise jeans and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that most little kids shouldn't even be looking at. Mm-hmm. And even with retailers, retailers, of course, they sell sex. There is no reason that a five-year-old should have low-rise jeans. And for five-year-olds with a mistress um, around that age, <laughs> yeah. they are making um, what? Let's see, thong underwear that adult women wear for yeah. five-year-olds. Yes, yes, yes. They, yes. they have to pull that kind of for, stuff out of Abercrombie mm-hmm. and Fitch. Yes, they are. They are because they mm-hmm. had them for twelve-year-olds and ten-year-olds, and they're like, "Wait a minute! No, no, no! Look." My baby don't have enough back for a tea bag, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. That's like that's like uh, one of the. I think it was a song called. Um, my niece was singing it the other day, and she was saying something about her hump, and I oh, was yeah. like, "That song, you know that song." Fergie. And I told her, "I, I yes, yeah, what's her name, Fergie?" Mm-hmm. And I told her, "I said, Naya, don't sing that song. You don't have a hump right now, sweetie." Don't sing that song. That is not appropriate for you to sing. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it, it depends on the, it's the parents. I think once, the parents need to just start to take control because it starts in the home. The parents are the first teachers anyway. And once a child feels that they're loved and they feel that from their mother and their father, they won't go out to the world and dress the way they dress to get that type of attention. But you know what? While I do agree with you on that, I think also that, there's, it, it has also a lot to do with what they're eating. And I don't mean like uh, what they're eating like food-wise. I mean just what they're, what, when they see something on TV and it's become, when, when you're inundated with it, when you're flooded with it, mm-hmm. you, you start to believe that that's what you're supposed to have. And that's, that's what, what doing. you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I can think about, you know, and I always, I always play this uh, game, you know, when I'm talking to kids. And I can tell them, I always tell them how I can control their mind. And I can read their mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they always laugh and they say, you can't read our mind. And then I'll say, it's getting hot in here. And half of them will start singing. And I, always, and I tell them, see, I already knew what you, I already knew you were going to finish the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you the know? song, they're, they're terrible. And the thing about it, they know the song. They know them. What and, so the, out. and the reason they know them, because if you look at the radios, stations, they will play those particular songs, especially when they have good hooks, yes. 15, 16, 20 million times a day. Yes. Over and over again. And, and your mind, the a child's mind is like a hard drive. Mm-hmm. It takes in so much information, and, and it, it, it appears in their action. It, it manifests in their actions. They don't realize it, but that from what they're taking in. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's 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 terrible what's going on now. You know, I can think about my son was singing a very old song. I can't even remember the name of the song, but he was singing it one day, and I said, "Boy, where you learn that song?" I was riding home one day with Mama and heard it on the radio, and I'm thinking this song's got to be older than me and him put together, but yeah. he heard it. And it, mm-hmm. it stuck, it stayed there. Yes. You know, so, yeah, media plays a huge role. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines right now. Let's see. We have a caller from the 972 area code. Caller, are you there? Hello, 972? 
All right, maybe we lost that one. All right. You know what, Jocelyn, um, tell us about, um, I think you and I were talking, I think you, you're writing, you're starting to write again. What, what, what are you writing right now? Is it a, is it a movie, a book, a novel? <laughs> It's 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 a poetry book. It's um it's called Let God Love You Pass Your pa- Pass Your Pain, and pretty much it's a it's a book of testimonials of my own personal experiences, and um I I hope to have that out within um, springtime of next year of '08. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. Yes. We're not going to ask you to tell us anything about it. We'll 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 just sit back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sit back and and we'll wait. You know, yes. yeah, yeah. Brian and I, we talk all the time, and and, uh-huh. and some of the things that we we've learned, we go to the detention center, and we deal with um, a lot of kids. Um, right now, just the little boys, and we've learned that a lot of the issues that these children are going through, they they sh- they shut down uh, when they get to a certain point, and they get so angry. I've seen it. I've seen it in them, and I heard okay. you say that you were angry at the world. Did you have? Did your teachers ever say, "Well, you have a behavior problem, or you just really mean at certain times when you were in school?" Well, um, my teachers. I, that's what I understand about teachers. I, I've never had a teacher that said anything like that. I mean, I was always quiet and I kept to myself. I mean, it was mostly around the house that I was angry. At school, believe it or not, I was a good kid. Um, I, I just I didn't have a behavior problem at school. It was outside of school. So my family members, they took notice of, of, of my behavior and uh, things like that. They just thought that, you know, she was just a bad kid. They never thought that maybe something's wrong with her or maybe something's happening to her. Maybe she's trying to let us know that maybe that, that something is bothering her, you know, but they, you know, you would think that a parent or a family member or a teacher would take notice and be like, think that, you know, but my family members, they never did. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now that you're you're out, you're you're writing, and you, it seems like you're having fun. You know, we know it wasn't an easy thing that you went through. We know that the hard. I think one of the hardest things that about what you're doing is you're open. You're opening up, and now you're giving your testimony. You're allowing us to go back into uh, those awful things, those awful nights of the things that happened to you. you you've taken us all there. Now, that takes a lot of strength, that takes a lot of courage for you to come forth and say, this is what happened to me. Yes. How in the world were you, are you able to sit here and, and talk with us about uh, the worst times in your life? Uh, once again, I have to give it all to the glory of God. I mean, I couldn't do this on my own. Um I had to ex- I had to prep myself before I came on. Um, I had to do a lot of prayer. Um, I can't believe I'm actually doing it. Um, but I mean, I, I talk about it from time to time with certain people. Um, but I never thought that I would come to be able to come to a point and do an interview and talking about my testimony, my story. So um, I can just say, God. Yes, and you know, I remember when when you and I we were talking back and forth through the emails, and I was saying your testimony is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And you told me you said, "Well, I'm just I'm I'm not ready for that yet." And mm-hmm. now that you are, I mean, I'm excited. I'm happy for you. And I think tonight is therapy for you, and it's also uh, the, the beginning of a healing process for a lot of people that's out there listening right now. Because Brian and I, since we've been doing this show, 
the women that we talk to, I I, I want to say it's about eight out of ten have dealt with either rape or molestation. Mm-hmm. Eight out of ten women. I would say it's more than that. <laughs> we, I, I mean, it's nowhere that we've gone. Yes. And people heard the show and they say that happened to me. That remind me of my life. Mm-hmm. This. I, it's so sad. It's, it's yes. just a sad situation to try to ruin someone. But you know what? They tried to ruin you, but it, it's like with Oprah. The worst yes. thing that happened to her and the worst thing that happened to you, Jocelyn, those things, that they are a solution to what somebody else is going through. And I really believe that your platform is good. It, it will be huge. I believe that because of what you're doing. You, you're being obedient and you're... You're putting yourself out there to say, this is what happened to me. It wasn't my fault. Yes. Yes. You know, it, and, and a lot of people need to know that. A lot of, a lot of adults and, that are still, you know, children on the inside, they're still carrying that hurt child on the inside. They need to understand that they, that they can be free. They can, they, they can re- be released from everything that they're carrying. Mm, mm, mm. And let, let me... Let me let, let me ask you this, Justin. Are you still there? Uh-huh, I'm still yeah. here. Let me ask you this. The forgiving part, how hard was that? <laughs> that was so hard, you wouldn't believe. It took me, uh, I could say a little over a decade. It took me a while um, because I was angry. I, I had a reason to be angry. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I carried it for a long time, and and I was I, I I was immobile. I became immobile. I was paralyzed by my pain. I wasn't moving forward. I was just stuck, and I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I, I was I couldn't connect with people because of my pain. I didn't see a future for myself because of what I've been through. Um, it, it just it took some time. Uh, I think that I had a defining moment back in 1999, and. From then on, I think in 2003, I was told, I heard a voice from within told me, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. You can't carry this anymore. And so when I heard that voice, I just knew that my time was coming. I knew that God was pulling darkness from me. I know he was pulling every every pain, every hurt, guilt, shame, all of that. I knew that he was taking that away from me because he told me he was going to take it away from me. And he's a God that he shall not lie. So... From then on, I, it's just been a process. And the forgiving part, it was hard, but, you know, I've, I've been forgiven for so many things, so I can't hold nothing or grudges against people. So I did it. What happened immediately when you did that? Uh, I felt a sense of release. I felt like a boulder was taken, literally taking off of my shoulders that's been weighed down on me for so long. It was like... Uh, the root is like I was healed from the the, the pain that was down from, down inside of me, and I just felt liberated. That's what I felt. Mm. Yes, mm. it was. It, it's still amazing to me when I talk about it because I never thought that I would get to this point. I would go, you know, even as a child, they say, you know, you need to put your child in therapy after something so major like that, something so traumatic like that. They need to be in counseling. They need to just just see a counselor often. And, you know, I, I did for a little while, but, you know, I moved back to Texas, and then it was like I was just, I was, I was just, I had a rebellious spirit within me. I was like, okay, I want to do whatever I want to do because, you know, the world has done me this way, so I just want to do whatever. And so I had that 
I had that mentality. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's one thing that's really key when you talk about the anger. Mm-hmm. The anger that that was created in you from something that you had no control over. Yeah. You know, and and because I see the anger in our in our youth today. Mm-hmm. You know, and the anger is generated from a lot of different ways. In your case, it was because of the molestation. You know, in other ways, it's because of the neglect or or physical abuse or mental abuse, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And so, or even, you know, social abuse, mm-hmm. you know, where this child doesn't have, you know, all the good things that this other child has because the other child's family has been, you know, more prosperous than the other. And so that, that, that child feels socially mm-hmm. disadvantaged. Yes. You know, and people don't believe that that's a form of abuse, but, you know, when you tell a kid, you know, you, you when it's Christmas Day, you know, we're in holiday season, and it's Christmas Day and everybody has a bike but Johnny, mm-hmm. Johnny's going to feel like crap. And after yes. a couple of years of Johnny not getting that bike, Johnny's going to feel like, I want a bike. And if they can't get me a bike for Christmas, I'm going to take somebody else's bike, you know, because Johnny's not being nurtured or loved, you know, any less than those other kids. But there's something out there that Johnny feels he's missing out on, and it's because maybe his family can't financially provide it, you know. And so there's a lot of different issues that that, that we go through that causes anger, you know, but... When you were talking about talking with the counselors, because I hear that a lot now. They they want children to go to counselors. They want children to go to counseling when something like this happens. Personally, I don't believe there's any better counseling than a father or a mother talking to that child to, you know, to provide that safety, that coverage that they need. That safety net, yes. You know, but in light of that, what do you think, the 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 best way of doing it is because I've seen you know I, I know some children who have been in counseling and they hate it. They're like I don't want to talk to that man. I don't want to talk to that lady. They don't know what I'm going through. They haven't been there with me when I was being beat every day. You know, because yeah. I've talked to some teenagers who have been in the foster care system for a number of years now, and you know that's the, what that's the way they talk. They why, they sending me to counseling. The only reason I'm going is because if I don't go, they're going to lock me up when I turn 18, you know. Or mm-hmm. if I don't abide by the rules, then, you know, they're going to lock me up. Yeah. I just think that um, with, with, with someone who has experienced so much abuse, I think that counseling doesn't work for everybody. It may work for one kid, but for another kid it may not. Um, a lot of times, uh, children they like to feel a sense of, of uh, being connected to a person. Yeah. I mean, if they feel that they can talk to you, if they feel comfortable with you, if they feel that you really care about them and that you're really passionate about their well-being, then they'll open up. They'll talk to you, and and they can be on the verge towards healing. So, talking doesn't work for everybody. Think about that. It helped me uh, a little bit, but uh, most of mine came from a spiritual point. Yeah. Even at the, the the very very young age, um, did you think you needed it when you when you know when the? I, I guess it's not a fair question because you you were so young. 
Yeah, and I was like, I think I was about maybe nine when I went, and I think that the the child protective uh, services that's what they do. If they get a case about a child, you have to go. So that's why I went. I think that if I didn't have to go, then my mother probably wouldn't have uh, put me in counseling. So um, I went, and it's it's it really wasn't counseling. It was just they they want to know what happened, and they use these doll dolls or whatever into these baby dolls to see like you know did this happen or did that happen. So I really that's the only thing that I can remember from uh, being around nine years old with counseling. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It, it, it was more, I, I think, you know, you, you as a child, you, you, you're sitting there and this person is asking you. Uh, yes, with, yes, with dolls, baby dolls, yes. Yeah. That was like, and, you know, I was like, well, yeah, that's what happened. Mm-hmm, that's what they, well, they did that in California. I don't know what they do in Texas, so. Right. But but yeah. it, it sounds like the things that, that they were asking was more of a an opportunity to prosecute this person or, where they're trying to get to the root and help you as a child. Mm-hmm. I guess that's my question. Did you feel as a child they were reaching out to you or they were asking you questions to get him? Uh, I think a, more of questions to, to prosecute him for what uh, he was being accused of, yeah. And you know what? That's still not um, helping you. I mean, it is as far uh-huh. as locking him up. Now he can no longer touch you, but the damage is already done. Mm-hmm. Now, how, yes. mentally, how can they help you? You know what I mean? Did, did they did were they able to do that? Well, from the time that I was there, I didn't get any help from them. I mean, it was a waste of time to me. You know, as a child, I was like, why do we got to come here? You know, why do I have to sit in here and talk to this lady? Uh, I don't know her. I don't like the questions that she's asking me. I don't like you know the baby dolls that she's using and how she's showing me you know different sexual advances with the dolls. And so you know, it was pretty much a waste of time to me. So yes, yes. I think Brian said that too. He was saying that one of the kids was saying, "Man, if I the only reason I'm here, if I don't come, uh, you know, they're gonna put me in jail or lock me up or whatever." Hmm. And that's so sad when you, you know, as a child, you don't, you're not getting any help, and, and that's just, it's just a sad. I, I don't know. It's just a sad thing. I think it's pretty much it's one of this day. So many people are lost. And and they act out whether it's through sex, drugs, drinking, things of that nature. I spoke with a young man on today, and he just started talking to me, and he was just saying that you know I'm just going through a lot right now. And so I started talking to him, and he said that he he just really don't even know himself. He's trying to figure out who he is. He never knew his father, and his mom is always verbally abusive to him. And so you know I tried to to encourage him the best way I could. And so he was like, I just really love talking to you. He was like, Can 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 you call me sometime and just, you know, talk with me sometime? And I was like, yeah, you know, sure, that's fine. And he was, he's just hurt. He was just a hurt young man. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit counseling because I think it is important that you do talk through your issues. Mm-hmm. But I, what I believe is that you need to talk through it with somebody that you feel you can trust. Yes. You know, and when I talk about the issue, especially in the foster care system, you know, so many of our children that have been in the system don't trust adults. Because when you think about what fostering is, fostering means that's a temporary place. With strangers. You know, with strangers. You've never met them. You don't know them. You don't know how they are. You know, some kids have been victimized in foster care. 
mm-hmm. in foster homes, places where people have told them this is a safe haven. So, of course, over time, especially if you spent, you know, a number of years in the foster care system, which in the case of many of our older children, they have, and they grow up in the foster system, you know. So they understand the system. They know what it's like, you know, and I think that's, it, they have to have a place where they feel safe to talk to people, you know. And sadly, when they do have that safe place, before you know it, they're moved again. Yes, that's so sad. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Jabella, if someone that wanted to get in contact with you to uh, speak to your, your 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 get your emails to get in contact with you, just to talk with you, mm-hmm. how could they get in contact with you? Well, I can be reached at um, email by email at write and that's w r i t e and recite at hotmail dot com. Or they can reach me at jai.willis at sbcglobal.net. Mm, what about your website? That is MySpace. I'm a MySpace junkie. <laughs> That's MySpace.com backslash write and recite. <laughs> you know what, Brian? I think we have someone that may want to ask her a question. Yes, we have a caller from the 415 area code. Caller from the 415. Chime in. Yeah, yeah, how y'all doing? Good, good. Good, good. Uh I was uh want to comment you was um um speaking about counselors. I I also am a counselor uh and mentor for uh youth, young boys that's in foster care and uh group home and everything and um uh one point that you guys made was like how the kids don't trust the counselors. Um, one thing that primarily when, when that, that from what I've observed, I've been a counselor for over six years now, is counselors and therapists are, um, are two different things. Um, yeah. when they are assigned to their therapist, um, they kind of detach themselves from, from the, from the youth, from the kids. And the kids not being able to identify with them build up that that wall, um, you know. So it's 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 a number of things. It's hard for them to open up to that therapist, you know, to this stranger, you know, who views them as the um, as another case file, as paperwork. You know, they're they're unable to empathize with them. But when, when you have a consistent person, a consistent um, counselor or, or a mentor that's with them on the daily instead of once every week or every other week, um, I find that um, it'll be easier or it's been easier for them to to open up and um, and relate with them on issues that um, that they that they don't even regularly share with their therapists. Yes, yes. You know? I um, totally agree, and I, I thank you for your call. You know, I want to chime in. We got about fifty seconds left, and I want to say I'm glad he clarified that the difference between a counselor and a therapist. I thank him for that. Um, Jocelyn, we thank you for coming on the show. We got about thirty seconds. Do you want to give me any last second words? Oh, I just want to say that I hope that everyone who was listening that they were touched and blessed by my testimony. And I just want to let you know that if you're a young girl out there or a young boy out there, and if you're carrying any type of hurt 
or if you're experiencing anything that's not right, that's that's causing harm to your body from a from any person, I would just wanted to let you know that you are able and you have the ability to let an adult know that you're in harm's way. So tell someone, tell your mother, tell your father, a teacher, anyone, and let them know what you're experiencing and everything will work out because I am a true living testimony that you can be free and you can be healed and you can overcome. Awesome. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for listening, and we hope you come listen in on Monday at 9 p.m. Thank you, and good evening.